Breakfast with Pete. Brought to you by JT Fossey Ford. Tamworth's only Ford dealer. 1287 2TM. How do you make a cup of tea? You're drinking a cup of tea as we speak. Yes, the first one I have in the morning is generally herbal, green yeah. or yeah. lemon mm-hmm. ginger. Do you boil the water first? Yes. Not supposed to. So according to Yorkshire tea, which I've, I'm a big proponent of, as you know, I love a Yorkie. Mm. Um, boiling the water and prepping your mug with a tea bag being the first steps of making it, making a cup of tea. Yes. When the water's hot enough, pour it into your mug, wait patiently for it to brew four to five minutes. Four to five minutes? That's a long Nobody time, Nobody waits man. that long. No, well, do I just get a spoon and stir it with the bag in You're it. like, come on, come create on. A, create a current come that on. goes through the bag and... Infuses the flavour. That's what you got to be careful doing it though, because you split the bag sometimes. Then you end oh. up with bits all over you. Uh, gently squeeze, squeeze the tea bag against the side of the mug. Add as much milk and sugar as you please. According to Myzen, Martin Isaac, a f- professional food and drink taster, how do you get that job? Wow. We've been doing it all wrong, including the tea connoisseurs. Martin said you should never use boiling water to make a traditional brew because it will make because it will make it taste no better than cabbage water. Instead, you should let the water cool down to 80 degrees. He said that boiling the water was originally used when it was necessary to make sure the water was safe to drink before we had clean drinking water. He said, it's time to debunk the myth that you should use boiling water. Having the water too hot will kill the desirable nuances of the tea and you're left with a strong flavour of dry astringent tannins. Do you think he's one of those people that just like lives like, eternally frustrated because everybody boils their water oh either that or he's just a wanker (laughs) yeah (laughs) do you know what though the kettle that we have at home here has um like a count up like a temperature thing so i could actually do that because it counts up the temperature that's a posh kettle what is it can you set it to just stop it no you can't set it and actually it's not that posh because we can't turn it on and off pull it off we just can yeah, you, you can. Can you at, at eighty degrees? Yeah. All right, Carl, I want you to pull it off at eighty degrees and taste test. Taste test and do a boiling one, and come back and report to us tomorrow. Can you do that? Uh yeah. That means I have to have two cups of tea this afternoon. Oh, just <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't want to ruin your routine or anything. No. What about just... have two half a cups? You don't have yeah, to have true. a full one. You know, true. Do you, how many cups of tea do you have in a day? I normally don't have any after. Um, work, so I'll have oh, like maybe too. three or something like that at work. I'll have usually two. I'll have one in the morning and maybe another one um, before the classic lunch, just to pep Sometimes me up a bit. Sometimes have one at dinner, maybe, maybe not, like after yeah, dinner. I'm a non non after lunchtime. Yeah, it just depends can't on do what coke day it either. is. The drink Coke um, can't do. Yeah, gee, you got to clarify that these days, don't you? Back when Coke was oh, a Coke. No. <laughs> hoe was a hoe you used in the garden. I wasn't even thinking that. No, oh. gee, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to play a Tim McGraw song now. Actually, after the after the news, all about that, and and I I I'm, I think I'm hypersensitive to caffeine. If yeah, I have maybe. anything after lunch, it just keeps me awake. I think I've I've definitely um, cut through that hypersensitivity when I was in university and stuff because I would just like I'd be like yeah. assignments due sitting there with like a, a diet coke and a whole thing of dark chocolate and I'd just be like uh. must stay awake <laughs> <laughs> and then the next morning I'd read the paragraph that I had written that night and be like doesn't make sense should have just done it this morning <laughs> you were hyped up last night girl <laughs> I've got a mate who always has a coffee before he goes to bed got to have a coffee what before kind he goes of coffee? to bed 
Got not decaf, normal, you know, normal like a, a instant, instant, I think, a Macona yeah. or whatever. Okay, they're not that strong. Uh, they are. Not as okay, strong as espresso. Like but still, yeah, you're that's a, a lot. You're going to bed, champion. You don't want a coffee. But then he'll be. He'll say he can't function without one, and it's that's like, but you says. can because you go to bed straight after. <laughs> Breakfast with Pete. Brought to you by JT Fossey Ford, Tamworth's only Ford dealer. Twelve eighty-seven two TM. Yeah, that's all different now. Well, those crazy parrots at the Lincolnshire Wildlife Park, you might remember last week we had the, it might have been the week before, we had the parrot that could sing Beyonce. There you go. That's that's uh, Chico the parrot from from the Lincolnshire Wildlife Park over there in the good old UK. Well, they've got a bunch of that's a that's a green parrot. That one I don't know what it is. It's a green one. Uh, Steve Nichols, chief executive of the Lincolnshire Wildlife Park, said five African grey parrots were adopted in the same week, and while in isolation, they've taught each other to swear. <laughs> one of them must have known how to do it. Parrots were, and, they, and they've been removed from public display because I haven't got the video of them swearing. But you know, on the on the positive side, um, I do have you know I do got Chico. <laughs> Sorry, the five African grey parrots were adopted by them and put into a room together. And it appears they used their time in isolation teaching each other foul language, which left park staff in hysterics. But swift action had to be taken when they started using obscenities with the guests. Polly wants a cracker. Get out of here! Why you? Why you off? Um, Steve Nichols, CEO, said the birds had put into had were put into a timeout, but admitted over the last twenty five years he's taken in many parrots that have sometimes had a bit of blue language. He told the Lincolnshire Press, "Every now and then you'll get one that swears, and it's always funny. Words find it very comical when they do swear at you. However, with nothing better to do in isolation, because by chance the latest crop were all adopted at the same time, they quarantined together, uh, and in, during that time they've all taught each other to swear." They put them back out on display, and they just started. They just started abusing all the people. Going, I reckon that is bloody fantastic. Oops, sorry, think I swore. Breakfast with Pete. Brought to you by JT Fossey Ford. Check out this month's deals. Just go to jtfosseyford.com.au. 1287 2TM. Um, well, let's go to Russia. <laughs> See what's going on over there. On a number of fronts, a top Russian researcher behind the Sputnik 5 coronavirus vaccine defended using the vaccine before testing was complete and said he had he plans to release clinical trial data early. So early, in fact, that the data is likely to be uninterpretable. So how this phase three trial should work, you give thousands of people the the vaccine and the same number of thousands of people a placebo which doesn't actually do anything then you go back after a few months and you work out who's got the virus who hasn't and hopefully everyone who's got the virus uh, is the is the people that have had the placebo unfortunately the russians aren't doing that way 
Um, the, the country's just granted the world's first regulatory approval for a vaccine against the pandemic coronavirus, despite not even starting phase three clinical trials, which typically test safety and the efficacy of a vaccine in tens of thousands of people. As I've just mentioned, uh, the approval's drawn quick criticism from health experts who see it as a dangerous political stunt to give the appearance that Russia is ahead of the race in developing a vaccine, when it in fact isn't. <laughs> So it's got we've got dramas there. Uh, the health ministry's now given doses of the Sputnik Five to about 400 members of the general public that were not enrolled in a clinical trial, i.e., they've just made it available to them. Uh, initially, government figures had suggested millions of people might need to be inoculated. Uh, meanwhile, they're going ahead with the phase three trials, but they've already um, they've already released it to the public. To give you to give you an example of what's happening in the other ones, the legitimate viruses or the legitimate vaccines is what I call them. Pfizer and its partner BioNTech began a phase three trial of COVID nineteen vaccine in July. Uh, the companies have said they will conduct a first interim analysis when 32 people in the trial test positive for the virus. Moderna, which is the big US one that Trump's hanging his hat on, uh, which also started phase three trial in July, said it'll perform an interim analysis when there are 53 cases in trial participants. So they go back, OK, we're going to wait till we get 53 cases, which is a fair sample. We go back and find out whether those people actually had the placebo or whether they had the vaccine. And if, you know, 50 of them had the placebo that's a pretty good sign that the vaccine might be working astrazeneca which is of course is the oxford one which we've bought 30 million doses of or however many million doses they started their phase three trial even before july because they're english and they're a little bit more conservative and we like that when it comes to this uh, they're waiting for 75 cases before doing their interim analysis hoping that at least 70 of them um, you know, have the have taken the placebo. If interim analyses are extremely positive, vaccine developers could release the data and or the data, if you like, and even stop trials early. But to do that, they would need to see that the vast majority of COVID nineteen cases in study participants were those in the placebo group rather than those in the vaccinated group, indicating that the vaccine is protecting against the disease, which is what it's meant to do, of course. But it's more likely that the data will be harder to interpret early on because you won't be able to get a really good sample. If you've only got five people that have got the virus by then um, and two of them have the have the placebo, it's really, well, you've got about 60% of people only, which is not good enough. Um, so the Russians... I'll tell you what, they're playing with fire. Of course, Trump, he's still pushing for interim analysis to be done as soon as possible and for a vaccine to be rolled out to the public by November 3, which is election day. <laughs> Do you see that? Did you see that argument they had yesterday? That was incredible. Uh, experts say it's extremely unlikely that a vaccine will be ready in the United States before the election. Additionally, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, has worked to tighten requirements for any vaccine to be authorised based on early data for interim analysis, although the White House may quash those stricter guidelines. So, you know, the Russian and the American ones, they're playing with fire just a little bit there. So we've just got to be careful about what we do uh, in terms of this virus, and I think we're backing the right horse with the English one. Talk about misreading the mood of the public. Uh, for the past four years, Marina Ugdoskaya has scrubbed and mopped the offices of the local administration building in, in rural Russia in Povalekino village. Uh, now the 35-year-old cleaner is downing her dusters to move into her boss's seat after winning an election earlier this month. 
when no one in the village signed up to challenge Nikolai Lokhtev, who was the local political leader there, uh, he's from the pro-Kremlin United Russia Party, he persuaded Mrs Ugdoskaya to register as his rival to ensure the minimum requirement of two candidates was met. Uh, she won in a landslide. <laughs> This is a true story. Nikolai Lokhtev thought no one would vote for her and he would stay in the job, but the people had had enough of him. Uh, he's misread the mood of the public there, and they came out and chose Marina Ugdeskaya, a member of the local electoral commission, told the BBC. He was amazed and she was flabbergasted. The woman who didn't want to be identified laughed down the phone line. She says she had personally heard Mr Lokhtev asking the cleaner to stand against him because they couldn't have an election without two candidates, and he thought, ah, oh, just put me cleaner in here and uh, all good to go. Uh, she's since stopped answering her phone. Is keeping a low profile ahead of her inauguration later on this week. <laughs> I didn't think people would actually vote for me, she told Telegram News Channel Podium. I didn't do anything at all. Even so, she won almost 62% of the vote. Her boss managed just 34%. Neither candidate campaigned actively ahead of the election. No billboards, no flyers, no meetings with voters. Locals argue there's no point when everyone knows everyone else. Uh, Povlakino, dotted with brightly brightly painted one-story wooden buildings, is the largest of 30 villages that fall under the umbrella of the administration of Miss Ogdeskaya. Uh, she'll now run it. I've done everything necessary in the job. There are no problems in the village, Mr Lokhtev told the BBC on one of his last days in office, struggling to understand his defeat. Clearly, the people wanted change, the 58-year-old former policeman concluded. Damn straight we did, mate. We don't want you, Lokhtev. We'll have the cleaner. Breakfast with Pete. Brought to you by JT Fossey Ford. Check out this month's deals. Just go to jtfosseyford.com.au. Speaking of still going, Julie Andrews, the ageless Julie Andrews. Of course, she was Mary Poppins. She was in The Sound of Music. I went to Salzburg where they made The Sound of Music. Don't they trade heavily off that over there? Let me tell you. So, oh, we made The Sound of Music here. Do you want to do the tour? Come and do the tour. We can show you up in the hills and everywhere where they said the hills are alive with the sound of music. No, I don't want to do that. Where's the pub? Give me a zipfer. This is one of the beers over there. Or a, st- what's it, a Stiegel. Give me a Stiegel in one of your bars. Uh, but it was good fun over there. They also That's also the birthplace of Mozart, incidentally, Salzburg. So you can go and see Mozart's birthplace and do a Sound of Music tour. That's basically all they got over there. Uh, Richard Harris, of course, another one of the great acts, an Irish actor. Of course, he starred in Camelot. My mum used to play the Camelot soundtrack back to back to back to back. Uh, so I knew all of those. What do the simple folk do and all of that sort of stuff. Um, if ever should I leave you? <laughs> How could it be in springtime? Yeah, all of that sort of stuff. But I prefer this version. Knights, I bid you welcome to your new home. Let us ride to Camelot. We're knights of the round table. We dance whenever we're able. We do routine to call the scenes to put work in back cable. We dine well here in Camelot. We eat ham and jam and spam We're knights of the round table. Our shows are more mid-table. So many times we've given rhymes that are quite unsingable. We're rock and bad in Camelot. We sing from the diaphragm. 
I have to push the pram a lot. Second thoughts, let's not go to Camelot. It is a silly place. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that wasn't Richard Harris. Maybe the bloke who did, I have to push the pram a lot. Maybe he was the, maybe that was Richard Harris, but you know, great, one of the great actors. Happy birthday to him. Breakfast with Pete. Brought to you by JT Fossey Ford. Check out this month's deals. Just go to jtfosseyford.com.au. 1287 2TM. That's exactly right. We better go to the States quickly before we have to go. A dad got too drunk to drive and then made his 13-year-old stepdaughter drive them to a shop to buy ice cream, police say. Javier Martinez El Aguila, Aguila, 42, allegedly ordered the youngster to get behind the wheel so he could indulge in a frozen treat from a store close to their home in Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock or leave it. The girl caught the attention of local police after she failed to stop for one of their cruisers, which had the right of way and almost crashed into them. What was he saying? Oh, no, my ice cream. Gone. Officers pulled the SUV over and were stunned to discover how old the driver was. A police report seen by the local media there explained the reason for the illegal outing, saying she was driving her stepfather to get ice cream because he was drunk. She just came out with that. Officer said uh, Martinez Aguilar was so drunk he struggled to get his licence out of his wallet. Just for an ice cream. He was arrested and charged with criminal negligence before being booked into the Lubbock County Detention Centre. The girl's older sister, who had her driver's licence... I'll read that again. The girl's older sister, who has her driver's licence, came to pick the youngster up and take her home. Their father's since been freed from jail on bail. I don't know why. Ahead of his next court appearance. He was that drunk he thought she was the other girl, I guess, but 